good to know that you haven't found any issues after a week and a half. Well, you know, if we, you know what they say, if you can make it a week, you can make it a lifetime. I find issues with Mac every day. Yeah, cheers, cheers to her, Dennis. All the more impressive. to episode two of season two of Long Relief. Uh, Mac O'Brien joined as always by Josh Josephson and Andrew Kindlin here. Uh, coming, to you, coming to you on a Wednesday night. Uh, Going to try and keep this one manageable within the hour, so let's jump right into it, boys. Um, the American League East, it is not the Yankees. It's not the Red Sox, the defending champs. It is instead the Tampa Bay Rays. A lot of people forget they won 90 games last year. They have the best record in all of baseball in April. Question for you guys. Are you surprised? AK. I am surprised. I I think I will get I, I'm more surprised that Boston is, is struggling so bad. I mean, I think, I think Tampa Bay, they have a decent roster. But I'm surprised that they're still kind of dominating the way they are. I, I don't think it's it's crazy to, to see their starting rotation, you know, pitching them to a, a good record. But I think it's almost as surprising that the Red Sox haven't really turned it around yet. Yeah. Uh, AK, you mentioned the starting rotation. When you can roll out your top three of Glasnow, Morton, and Snell, what, and Snell being the reigning Cy Young winner, uh, and all of them have a 2-7 and below of an ERA in their first six starts, that's going to win you some ball games, in my opinion. Um, not to mention that their closer, Jose Alvarado, has some of the dirtiest stuff in the league. And Kevin Cash is not afraid to play opener with that bullpen and get creative. I mean, all they need is maybe four to five runs a, de- a, a game. And before he got hurt, Austin Meadows was on a tear. He was hitting 351, but is now on the DL, IL, whatever you want to call it. Whoever wants to be uh, injured or disabled, don't care. Um, but, I mean, yeah, eventually I think the race hitting will catch up to them just because there is no way that somebody like, a, um, call it a Kevin Kiermaier, Tommy Pham, they're going to keep up the this pace. 
Austin Meadows I could see keeping up this pace, but other than that, um, it's going to be the pitching carrying it. And hey, if you can win three to one ball games every day, the Rays have a chance. So we'll see. Not surprising, more so intriguing. Yeah, you mentioned Meadows there uh, on the disabled list. When he comes back, that'll certainly injured list. Yeah, sorry, injured list. God, that's it's gonna take a while. Take a while getting used to. Uh, when he comes it's back, he'll inject um, some life back into him. But uh, you know, the Rays have these small market teams have to find new ways to win. It's not surprising that the Athletics and Rays were at the forefront of uh, this opener phenomenon. Um, which has really started to pay dividends. But, you know, their biggest free agent signing during the offseason was a starting pitcher, so it's not like they're solely reliant on the opener. Um, but, you know, not, not all in all surprised. I would be surprised if by come June 1st they still have the best record in baseball, um, just given how tough the American League East is going to be, especially as they dive further and further into division play. Obviously, the Red Sox with a sweep of the Rays in the only series in which the two teams met. Um, so, you know, as they as they have to play the Yankees and Red Sox 16 more times, if they can hold on to the best record in baseball, they will have certainly earned it. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, I think every man on the 25-man roster opening day has spent time on the DL. That is only sort of a joke. IL, sorry. Only sort of a joke. Uh, You're not joking. Is it literally every guy? Uh, do you want to hear the injured list as of today? Let's hear it, JoJo. Um, well, Greg Bird starting first baseman. Uh, John Carlos Stanton starting right fielder, left fielder. Aaron Judge starting right fielder, DH. Uh, Della Batances, Jacoby Ellsbury, Clint Frazier, D.D. Gregorius, Aaron Hicks, D.J. LeMahieu, Troy Tulowitzki, Miguel Andujar. It's the entire infield and outfield. Yeah, so their entire outfield and three or four infielders. No, all four. Right? I, well, I guess uh, LeMahieu, yeah, Glaber Torres hadn't hit the I.L. Glaber Torres. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, AK, do you think that they stand any chance against the world-beating Rays? I, 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 I think it'll be harder than people think because I don't – the one thing that I think is going to hold serve here in the AL East is starting pitching. And I, I just think if, if – look, if the Rays can at least hang on to a lead or at least build this lead for another – few weeks, I think their 1, 2, and 3 is good enough to uh, like make it really hard on the teams below them. Because if you're going to win usually 3 out of 5 games, that's that's as good a record as you'll need from a, from you know mid to late May for the rest of the year. So it'll make it tough, especially if the Yankees aren't going to have their, their best nine healthy all year. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see because they just have so many weapons offensively. It's it's nuts. I mean, it's not it's not crazy to think they're doing just fine with guys hurt. So it, it'll be interesting to see how the starting pitching can hang on. You know, if the offense is still beaten up pretty bad. George, what's your totally unbiased prognosis as a Red Sox fan? <laughs> and AK, AK hit on it. It's the pitching keeping them in, shockingly, because uh, we all knew they had, they had a fantastic bullpen going into the year. Uh, with the chances hurt, it's currently Chapman, Adovino, and Britton down there. And, I mean, they're not supporting 
fantastic ERAs. Um, but Chapman, Chapman, of course, is what he's going to be every time. I'm actually, I've actually been impressed with James Paxton, the big maple. Um, he did have that no hitter, I believe, last season, or was that two seasons ago? Yeah. Um, but his ERA is not something flashy, three three eight. But his FIP, which is fielding and pitching, two point two five. That that's telling me he's his pitching itself is a run better than what his fielding has led him to be. Um, and with a rotation of an aging season Sabathia, shout out to you for three uh, K three K strikeouts, dude. Um, you old man. But uh, Jay Hap Tanaka, not the most, not the most uh, flashy names. They're solid three, four guys. Paxton is really holding down that rotation. Um, but that it's it's literally going to be can a starter go five innings and turn it over to the bullpen every single day. Right now they're doing it. We'll see. Yeah, uh, big question there is if. And when Severino gets healthy and comes back, um, again you talk like touched on it earlier with the Rays. But when you get these jolts of new guys coming back or guys coming back off the uh, injured list, it's almost like acquiring a free agent um, when they haven't been around for the first part of the year. So Severino, if he can get right by around the All Star break or so, that that would be a huge impact and um, you know kind of a game breaker on on the American. League East race. Um, let's shift away from the American League uh, and move on to the NL East. Same division, but uh, different league. A lot going on over here. Uh, Bryce Harper getting booed by the Phillies fans last night. Uh, he seems to be trying to keep the relationship in, uh, in, in good standing uh, with the fans, given that he's locked in there for the next 13 years saying I would boo myself too if I were them uh, or something to that effect. What do you guys think? Uh, we've touched on booing before by fans on this podcast last season, whether uh, you you should be allowed to boo your own guys or not. Uh, good, good approach by the Phillies fans, right approach. And then uh, thoughts on the Harper comments and response. Uh, Jojo, let's kick it to you. So should he get booed? Yes. Uh, does he deserve to get booed right now? Yes. Are Philly fans just idiots and booing him anyway? That's the real answer there. Um, Philly fans are the worst, biggest assholes there are in sports. Um, yeah, he's in a slump. You have the dude for 13 years. Give him a goddamn break. It's a month into year number one. Yeah, he's hitting 240. He's not living up to the hype that he's supposed to be bringing this ball club, but you're still in first fucking place in the NL East, which is supposed to be the best division in baseball. He still has six home runs and and 20 RBIs in the middle of that order and his OPS over 850. Like, the dude has pressure on pressure, weight on his shoulders. Give it a break, you assholes. Thank God Reese Hoskins is hitting. Otherwise, Harper would really be booed, and he would probably have bricks thrown through, thrown through his window right now. Agreed. Here, here's what I'm going to say. I, I think it's, it's, again, it's Philly. He's, his numbers are almost identical to what they've been. Outside of his two unbelievable... Oh, yeah. His career OPS is like 890. He's at 880. This is him, Philly. This is what you signed up for. Buckle in. 
it'll be a long 13 years if you're going to boo every time he goes through like a, a bad week. I mean, give the guy a break. Like, I don't like Harper more than the next guy. But this is what he does. He walks a ton. He's not going to – he's not a singles guy. He's going to hit for power, take his walks, and strike out a bit. That's what you got. If you're going to be booing in April, I mean, September is going to be a, a hell of a, 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 a season for you guys because it is going to get ugly in Philly. So my, my take on the whole thing is uh, – I mean, yeah, Philly fans are assholes and they're definitely – but I think that this has all just become so stupid now where, like, Philly fans want to own the Philly moniker – and they want to own the fact that they're the biggest assholes on the block. So now they're like they're booing Harper, but they're not actually angry with him. I think they're just doing it to be like, oh, we're Philly fans, we're assholes, we boo. But like, there's no way that you can justify to, to y'all's point. You can justify actually being upset at the guy. His OPS is slightly down from what it was last year, and slightly down from his career norms. Career, aka you you mentioned it, but. 899 OPS. Uh, he's sitting at 878 right now. But, you know, on base percentage right in line with where it was last year. Batting average a couple ticks lower. I, I just really think that this is Philly. Like, I'm going to call all Philly fans out here and just be like, the shtick is now so tired. Stop trying to play into it. Like, we get it. You're the guys that boo. You don't have to always boo. Like, it, it starts to mean nothing here, especially in a situation like this where it's like the guy's brand new. He's not really struggling that bad. You're just doing it to do – it's just like, can, can we stop? Can we just reserve – can we get back to booing guys who deserve it and stop doing it because you're Philly and like, oh, that's what we do. It's just – it's stupid. So Now, there's, there's one thing I will say. I will say that I'm, I'm sure Philly fans don't know this. Harper leads the league in swings and misses at 88. Oh. So if, if you want to come from that angle, I'm sure. But I, I can't imagine that's the uh, – the reason behind the billing. Yeah, I've sat in the Philly outfield. I've sat in the Philly outfield bleachers before. I can uh, guarantee you, the people who are doing the booing out there are not doing it for that reason. Um, JoJo, what were you going to say? Staying on the Phillies and Philly fans are. This is probably adding to their frustration. The old man of the rotation, Arietta, is their best pitcher right now by far. They they literally have. Three arms in the bullpen. That's it. That they can rely on. It's Hector Neris, Adam Morgan, and Pat Neshek. Before the season, Adam Morgan was a who. Nobody knew who he was. So the arms down in the pen and, and the starting rotation not doing it. Your your runner up to Cy Young or whatever. He finished third last year. Aaron Nola has a five seventy RA. Yeah, he's getting we're, hammered. We're just glossing over the fact that their arms are letting him down. It's just Bryce taking the brunt of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, JoJo, good point with the bullpen. The bullpen's have been historically awful. We covered that a couple of weeks ago on the pod. But uh, Sir Anthony... You know who De- the worst bullpen? Uh, well, hold on before you get there. Sir Anthony Dominguez, it's also not who you're about to say, but... Um, no, it is. No, mm. no. They have the 29. The Nationals? Oh, yes. Okay. I thought you were going to say the Bryce. <laughs> hold on. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez... Uh, has not been. I mean, he was incredible last season and uh, pitching to the tune of a 4.76 ERA with a 1.41 WHIP. Uh, has only pitched 11 and a third innings this season, or 12 and a, and a third after tonight's inning, uh, in which he gave up another run and three hits. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think there are going to be a lot of teams looking for bullpen help. I don't think that Philly was the one who we thought would be looking for help. I mean, after signing Robertson, Dominguez looked promising. Hector Neris has always been like they gave him plenty of opportunities, and he just he seemed to be like a sixth inning guy or a garbage time guy. The fact that he's kind of leading the pin this season is is really bad bad news for uh for the Phils. but let's move on to the other team that actually has the worst bullpen jojo you mentioned them the washington nationals losers tonight at home to the cardinals um judge what are you seeing out of that bullpen uh trevor rosenthal the owner of the infinite era he finally did record an out goes on the injured list last week uh it seems like they're searching for answers everywhere, high and low here in Washington. What do you got? Yeah, I, I think the grandmother school of the blind could pitch better than what they have down there in the bullpen. Uh, they have one reliever, and it's their closer, Sean Doolittle. Everybody else, and I'm not even counting Bearclaw because nobody can trust him. They just literally don't have a bullpen. Eventually, Max Scherzer is going to have to throw nine innings and they come back the next day and throw two and they come back the next day and throw another two. Um, and aside from the bullpen, they're starting pitchers. I know I said, I called out Scherzer. Their starting pitchers haven't been all that fantastic either. He's got the best fit at a 2-2. And I've been, if you can't tell, I've been dip, digging into this fit stat because it's more so what the pitcher's doing, not, so, not what the team is doing. And other than that, and Doolittle's down at the 2-2. Their pitching sucks. Absolutely yeah. sucks. And it doesn't help that you're, that the manager of the ball club does not know how to manage a bullpen or a starting rotation. And it's only... I give Dave Martinez June 15th. He will be fired by June 15th. Whoa. Really? Calling a shot. Give, oh, under June 15th. Damn. Damn, good for you, Josh. I like it. That's all I mean. I, I mean, yes, he's missing. Sorry. Let me quantify that. He's missing Trey Turner. He's, I mean, missing Ryan Zerman right now. He doesn't have Anthony Rendon. Don't care. Doesn't matter. Love you it. still have, you still have ball players there. Still doesn't know how to manage a ball club. Love it. Um, one silver lining for Nats fans. Uh, the fact that Carter Keboom, Juan Soto, and Victor Robles all homered in the same game on Sunday, that marks the first time that uh, three teammates under the age of 22 all homered in the same game. So the youth movement is strong and D.C. on the position side. But, yeah, pitching pitching seems to be this team's Achilles heel. And Patrick Corbin has been decent at best uh, despite the contract that they awarded him in the offseason. Okay, anything you got on the Nats before we uh, – I mentioned the youth movement here. We got some other guys who uh, have made strong showings. But anything else you want on the NL East here? Nothing really. I just think if, if the Nats can't get it together, I think the Phillies will eventually like get, get the pitching staff on track and – the Nats could be looking looking too far ahead for for any any sort of comeback towards the end of the season. So it they they I think they do need to get it on track here real quick. But yeah, what it is. Um, all right. Well, mention the youth movement, but uh, the name who we left out. Obviously, the biggest of them all, Vladdy Jr. coming up. 
uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr.'s son uh, making his debut. The Blue Jays in general, I just want to say, very interesting. Their infield could potentially be three former big leaguers, very, very good big big leaguers. Sons, um, Kevin Biggio Jr. or Kevin Biggio is uh, yep. a, a second baseman in the minor leagues. Um, Dante Bichette's son, shortstop. He some were actually saying that he might have come up with Vladdy Jr. if he hadn't gotten hurt earlier in AAA. Uh, and now you got Vlad, obviously. Um, what did you guys take away from his debut? What impressed you? Uh, what didn't? I'm, I'm just going to th- throw this out here. The fact that he was lifted for a pinch runner um, and he's 21. Not and good. Yeah, not, not great. Uh, hopefully that's a trend that does not continue. But uh, what did you guys see out of his debut this weekend we, and the week? Before after? we jump into Vladdy Jr.'s debut, can we, can we go around – did the Blue Jays intentionally manipulate his service time, or did they not? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so with that said, um, they do get an extra year of him, and they will need it. I think. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait! Time, time out! Time out! I'm not saying it was dumb. I would have done the exact same thing, but yes, they did. No, a hundred percent. I agree. I'm all in on the Vladdy train. I think we do need to give him some time because he's still raw. All I'm saying. So do you think that defensively? Wait. So do you think that they did not manipulate his service time? That he actually could have benefited from more reps in AAA? I don't know. Does a two fourteen hitter need more reps in AAA? I mean, when he hits like four ten in AAA, probably not. But he's hitting two fourteen in the bigs. If only there was a quad A. I know. That's what we need. That's what. That's what we that's need. The, the XFL. Best you call True. the Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I've been impressed defensively. Hitting will come around. The dude's a stud. Everybody thinks he's going to be the next big thing. He will be. I'm not worried. It's it's one of those things where he's up. He needs to he needs to get his feet wet. He'll soak and he'll get he'll get going. Not yeah, that yeah, type he, of soak, Matt. Get your head out of the gutter. Get your head out of the gutter, Matt. Come wow. on. He, I, I think he, you can tell he's a, he's just a natural hitter. He's he's his he's his dad just with a fatter ass. I mean, <laughs> he got a dunk. I think he's gonna he he just net like the way he hits just seems it's natural to him. He's not really like thinking. He's not, you know, I can't get my way too out front. He just the dude just swings. It, powerful. Everything is every adjective you can throw at him. Hitting is a good one and. He's going to be really good. Uh, another, let's keep it with the rookies, but switch to the uh, to, to pitching. Chris Paddock for the uh, San Diego Padres has been really, really strong. I, you know, making you can make the claim that he's been a top fifteen pitcher. Now there are concerns that there uh, some concern he may be on an innings restriction. May you know, one hundred fifty innings is kind of what they're targeting. At least if they stick to. The standard of increasing his innings by roughly 20 to 25 percent. So, you know, we could see Paddock, and that's around what fifth starters were on average last season. So, we could see Paddock kind of maybe skip some starts, maybe go on the DL for phantom random injuries once or twice throughout the year, even though that's technically not allowed. Um, but 
you know, I, I've been really impressed with Paddock. It seems like he's got a great four-pitch mi- four mix of stuff. Um, AK, the resident pitcher, what do you got on Paddock? What's made him so effective? Um, and is it just a flash in the pan, or can we expect him to continue to dominate, obviously benefiting from a home park that is very pitcher-friendly? It's a little bit all of the above. I mean, I think, well, I think, first of all, the Padres don't really have an ace, so it's, I think it's good if you're a guy for them, unless they do, as you said, kind of cut some innings. But I think what's gotten him ERA below, too, is you said having four pretty established at this age is pretty important. Um, I mean, everything works out for him. The whip of .7 is really good for your young pitcher. A lot of times you see guys, at least like the young guys who throw gas, just can't can't really control it as well and, and keep the walks to a minimum. He's pretty damn good at it. So I, I, these are all very good signs for a young pitcher. Um, and look, if he can be the ace already, that's, that's even better for the Padres. George? Yeah, one last, one last thing I'm going to add on him. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark. That's pretty much all you need to know. He's giving up less than a home run per nine. Um, that is unheard of in today's game where there's at least, like, it seems like 10 home runs per game. Uh, so, yeah, the dude is giving up less than four hits per nine as well. I mean, if he can only go more than five innings, because uh, he's currently averaging five and a third right now per start. Um, it would be great. But they're also managing his pitch count and inning count since he is a rookie. But keeping the ball in the ballpark will do wonders for you. And and case A is Chris Paddock and as a 23-year-old is second in the NL in ERA. Uh, last thing before we move on to news and notes, um, AK, is it time to press the panic button on the Cubs? Because not so much the Cubs, they've, they've made a nice little comeback here, getting over 500. But um, St. Louis, winners of nine of their last ten, uh, storming to a division lead of two and a half games up on the Cubs. Are you, are, you know. Are you nervous about the Cardinals, A.K.? Is this an insurmountable lead? Obviously kind of kidding here, but, um, you know, they've looked very strong in the last couple of weeks here. Look, they're, they're hot right now. I don't know if this is their – I don't know if this is the Cardinals, if that makes sense. Like, uh, outside of Goldschmidt, I mean, to, to, to me it feels like it's the same team and I still am not confident in their starting five. I – they're going to be around. I mean, they are a good team. They'll be around all year, but they're not going to storm away with the NL Central like this. That's just not going to happen. But how much better is their lineup, and how much deeper now is their lineup with Goldschmidt right there in the middle? I mean, I have it makes a big difference, but... Yeah. Mama always said wrap it up, Look, and they did with Paul Goldschmidt. Protection. That, he, that, that's what he provides. To a Marcelo Zuna and Jose Martinez. So. Okay. That's all. Yeah. AK's robot. Robot AK has joined us tonight. Uh, 
AK, you want to do news and notes? Do news and notes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, well, Joe, you mentioned CCs, but the other the other uh, milestone, the two I freak got the twenty five. By the end of May, in said guy Joey Gat makes baseball to exit velocity at ninety nine point one. So it's pretty. Um, the Twins lead one. Um. All time in RBI. It's crazy. He's still. <laughs> All right. Great, great news and notes there. Uh, great news and notes. <laughs> I do have the news and notes. Are you sure you didn't just um, cover it? Yeah. No. Uh, well, I actually I can't be sure. Um, <laughs> but the Seattle Mariners. Started off so hot, they are now 0 10 against teams above 500. Not good. Uh, hey, AK, where did your allegiances lie there? That had to really be tough for you this week. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Good. It's good to know. I missed all of that. All right, and moving on to the uh, NBA. So. Golden State versus the Rockets has become less about the basketball on the court than the officials uh, and the comments about the players by the players about the officiating. Uh, AK, well, actually, JoJo, let me throw it over to you because uh, I feel like you'll have strong feelings about this. What are what are your thoughts on the Houston Rockets and their approach to this series, making it less about uh, playing defense and trying to stop the Warriors and more about uh, getting as many foul calls as they possibly can and not necessarily even scoring, just, just getting foul calls? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. No. Um, aside from James Harden going into the locker room and smoking a doobie and then coming back out onto the bench, um, it's... It's quite the tactic to try to make it a public, uh, to make it a public game uh, versus the officiating. The Rockets know that they're shorthanded. Um, Golden State is definitely clicking right now. Kevin Durant is unstoppable. It's just interesting how pointed Harden and Chris Paul and D'Antonio D'Antoni have become at the officiating. We all know the officiating has been down this season in the NBA. Um, but this is a whole nother level. At some point, you have to focus on the ball club, on the court, and stop whining and stop bitching. So the, 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 the time when that happens, I'll actually respect the Rockets again in the series. Okay. Here we I, got, I got a few things to say here. <laughs> So, you can't control the refs. You never have and never will. It's it's like it's like getting mad and saying you're missing shots because the rims are too small. Like you have as much control over that. It, when you're playing four fouls, you are, which they do, you are 
putting your trust in the officials to help you out. And that's not going to be the case. If they're going to get picky on it, which they clearly have, they put a report together. Are we just moving past the fact that Harden travels every time he takes a step back? That I can, that, you know what, it is what it is. He is in the, the, the lane on every free throw he takes now, so he added that little bullshit to his routine. That's clearly illegal. That's black and white. There's no gray area there. If you are in the lane as the shooter before the ball hits the rim, no, no shot. So like, if we want to go back to Houston with a whole fucking analysis on the most black and white violation in the game, potentially the only time when everyone's standing still, I'm happy to do that for him. Daryl Morey, give me your email. I'll give it right to you. But the other problem is Harden and Paul, they, they contort their bodies in a way that it looks like a foul. So at this point, the officials have no idea what's a foul and what's not. They have made it harder on the officials. So now when it comes to an actual foul, maybe it looks like to them like someone's acting and moving their body in a way to draw contact. Harden and Paul yelling at the officials because they're missing calls is their own fault. They have found a way to take a jump shot to make it look like they're getting hit every single time. It's all, it, like, it, it, this, this is such a whiny, like, bullshit excuse Maybe go stop Kevin Durant. Find a way to shut him down. Get Patrick Beverly back. I don't care. It, but it, it, coming out in game one saying it's the official's fault is just, it's so bad. It is so immature and embarrassing for Chris Paul, who's a veteran Hall of Famer, to go through this whole shtick. And now they're going to say that Harden can't see, and that's the reason now they're going to lose. They're, they're deferring... The referee bullshit. It, it, it just it drives me crazy. Yeah, that's that's a good point, uh, AK, about putting you know putting it in the hands of the referees. Anytime you effectively like your main strategy is to take take the ball for lack of you know no pun intended, take the ball out of your own hands and put it on the refs to make the call every time. I mean, I, I thought Scott Van Pelt's little thing on SportsCenter last night was great where he looked at James Harden, you know, taking shots uncontested versus James Harden taking James Harden taking shots under pressure. Now, obviously, like, yeah, you, you, the shot's going to be a little different um, when you got a guy in your face. But, you know, Harden, if you, if you think about, like, a cylinder around the player uh, – a vertical cylinder when they go up for for a shot. Harden is jumping out of that cylinder and toward the defender, no matter where the defender is located, every single time. If the defender's in front of him, he's jumping into the defender. If the defender's on the side, he's jumping to the side. But, like, he's never going straight up on his shots. The rule about the player has to have the ability to land I kind of I kind of take issue with that just because it's poorly written and poorly constructed. I mean, the rules should be the player should have space to land within, like straight up and down. If that makes any sense, it's not written that way. So Harden is trying to argue that, like, hey, when I jump out three feet, that like I'm still entitled to jump out there, and the guy has to get out of the way. The rule was written so that defenders wouldn't step under jump shooters who go straight up. 
first thing that comes to mind is when Dante Jones injured Kobe Bryant on uh, that exact play four or five years ago in the Hawks-Lakers game. That was actually one of the reasons that the rule got put in to begin with because it is a dangerous play. You can you can mess up ankles doing that. But Harden, to your point, JoJo, Harden and AK jo- JoJo's uh, Harden's looking for ways to. Take the rule book a step too far. Um, you know, playing basketball on a technicality. I just I hate any team that does that. I think Will Kane said it best when, like, he's the this team is the guy at the gym that nobody likes. No one likes the team that does this or the guy at the gym that does this. You cannot and like he's it, the guy at the gym that calls the foul. Right, and like it, Chris Paul already had like ability issues. Um, you know, James Harden does not play a satisfying brand of basketball for a lot of people. This this is why, and they're making it even worse. So, right there with you guys, but uh, no surprise. But, but it's not because the part that just drives me fucking crazy is, yeah, if he's going to try to find something in the rules for his benefit, he's doing the opposite. He steps into the paint on a free throw. What is stopping <laughs> him from just launching it off the backboard Going up and alley-ooping it to himself. It's the, the, the same fucking logic. But here he is going to complain about when he flicks his legs out to the side and Clay Thompson closes out past him, it should be a foul. It, like, you almost need to say, we're going to review every single one of these, and if you contort your body outside of your up-and-down motion and your jump shot... It's a foul. It should be an offensive foul. Well, so this is this like is the rule that I love. This is a rule that I love in hockey that you're kind of getting at, where like yes. embellishment is yes a penalty, yes. and you go to the box for flopping. Chris Paul had one of the worst ones I have ever seen when he stuck his butt out, not even his legs, his butt to hit Draymond Green as he closed out. He was already past him. Chris Paul stuck his butt out to try to draw a foul. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, this is when, like, the analytics game has gone too far where it's not even, like, you're trying to take threes because they're more efficient. It's like, no, now we're trying to draw fat three. We're trying to get free, three free throws every time down the court because that's the most statistically efficient way to score. It's just it's kind of ruining basketball. So on that note, let's move on to a different series, the one that's on right now. Uh, Nuggets and Blazers. Um we got the Blazers leading in the third quarter, I think. Uh, yep, third quarter. Uh, yeah, they're up 11. If this holds, the series will be 1-1 going back to Rip City. Um, who you guys like in this series? We kind of breezed through these two teams in their first-round matchups, but um, I'm a Rip City guy. I kind of like Portland. I, I, I like what they're doing here, but who y'all got in this series? Does it even matter? Hmm. Excellent question, JoJo. Is- is the winner of this series actually going to put up a fight against the Warriors or War Rockets? Probably not. I don't know. Portland could if Dame got hot. Um, yeah, I, I think it's valid, but see, my problem is I think the Nuggets are going to win the series. So do no, I. I think the Nuggets can compete with Golden State. Yeah. I agree. I like the Nugs. I think that they're, uh, I think depth come, overcomes two studs. Yeah, and I mean the the God, is it it's Jokic, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I always want to see what was the, the Portland guy's name? He's Nurkic. Jerkic. Nurkic. Yeah. Jerkic and Nokic, Jokic, whatever. The tall white guy for the Nuggets. He adds such a like a 
weird dynamic to like a pretty explosive offense for the most part that I just don't think Portland has been able to figure out. Well, so Jokic, I don't think Enes Cantor can be the one to like stabilize this defense in their the Nuggets like pretty bizarre attack. It's interesting looking at the stats. Jokic is averaging like the third most assists in the playoffs or fourth most. Uh, the rest are all guards. He's also averaging the most touches per possession, second most touches per possession in the playoffs, more than point guards. So, it, it, yeah, it, it is. It, in, an, in an age where big men are dying um, left and right in basketball, especially at the pro level, uh, you know, Denver's kind of running a counterculture here where Paul Millsaps is being used uh, as a power forward, kind of like a Draymond Green a little bit. And then the ball's like going through Jokic on every single possession multiple yeah. times. He's the facilitator. It's like the old days of Boris Diaw and what Draymond Green can do yeah. sometimes for Golden State. He has more than doubled. I, I like it. I, I next person in the playoffs, by yeah. the way. Per game. Yeah. I, I like Denver. I just... Yeah. I feel like they kind of, they would kind of need to slow it down against Golden State to have a chance, and that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving into the East. Uh, I know some people want to talk Bucks Celtics here, but let's go ahead and get Sixers Raptors out of the way. Uh, a lot of haters on the Sixers and their style of play, but one um, one in that series going back to Philly. Uh, quick hitter here. Who you got, JoJo? I actually like this. I, I actually really like the Raptors in this series. I think that um, I think Kawhi is the best player in the series, um, and the Raptors actually have a different dynamic to the team this year. They actually, uh, with Kyle, if Kyle Lowry can actually shoot goal, shoot the ball, um, I think that Danny Green it becomes the X factor. Um, he's gonna have. I, I mean, I don't know who actually was chasing, but I would imagine it's JJ Redick chasing him. He he should be able to win that matchup every single time. Marcus Saul um, should theoretically be able to drop at least fifteen on uh, on an exposed Embiid. I think the Raptors. If, if, if correct me if I'm wrong here, if all the Raptors need to do is win one in Philadelphia to get home court back. And then let Spicy P, Pascal Siakam take over at home because that dude is unstoppable <laughs> at home. Okay. I'm I'm shocked Philly pulled one out in Toronto. I, I think the Raptors are head and shoulders better than the Sixers. I I understand what, what the Sixers did to, to make themselves more dynamic. It just I don't think Ben Simmons basketball works in the playoffs. I don't see it, especially against. You're only playing the best defenses from here on out. I just don't think his brand of basketball works. I don't think he's effective, especially with Jimmy Butler on the floor. I don't think the two of them play well together, especially in a playoff setting where every possession is, is going to be a half-court possession for the most part. You have to value everyone. What, he had six points last night? He's had, what, he had 12 the night before? Like, I just don't think his shit works, especially against a team like the Raptors. Who again? They have they did a lot of good things to make, to improve themselves. They're they're a good team. So I think the Sixers were lucky to get one game in Toronto. 
Real, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm alone on this team, but I really like the Sixers. I think pure talent wise. You're, you're definitely alone. What? I think you are alone. No, but I mean, like in the world, like outside of Philly fans, I feel like everybody's hating on the Sixers. I think the Sixers have more talent, more pure talent than uh, the Raptors. I mean, I, I, you know, McConnell plays pretty good defense. He's a nice little role piece. J.J. Reddick's one of the greatest shooters of all time. Joel Embiid is like a, start with McConnell. Well, no, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm letting you know. I know what I'm. I, I'm not just, you know, talking out of my butt here. But uh, Joel Embiid, I think, is the most interesting player outside of Giannis in terms of his size and his skill. Uh, he obviously creates a lot of matchup problems. Ben Simmons, like, yeah, dude can't shoot. It's not pretty. But I'll take a six-eight point guard every single day of the week. They limit the Raptors to one possession down the floor a lot um, and eliminate offensive rebounds, which you got to love. So I I don't think it's that surprising. I I still think the Raptors may win in seven, but I think this is going to be a dogfight the whole way, and I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia pulled it out. Uh, All right, JoJo, we've done a lot of beating around the bush here, and let me just throw it. You know know who Philly needs? Who's that? Philly needs Markel Fultz. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say Marco Bellinelli. Uh, they need Marco Fultz. <laughs> All right, JoJo, uh, Bucks-Celtics. The Celtics, an incredible game one to just not – I'm not even going to say steal game one. Totally trounced Milwaukee in Milwaukee. How are you feeling about the boys heading back to the Garden? Listen, all that mattered is – all that matters is home court is in our hands now. That's literally all that matters. Um, I – I mean, yeah, last night doesn't help when you lose by 20-something points, but everybody everybody had an off-shooting night, and everybody was off the It carried a 30-2 run by the Bucks. will do that to you. Um, Jason Tatum looks like he's in game one, was actually playing a little bit, with a little bit more confidence. Kyrie could get any shot. I was actually pleasantly surprised with Marcus Morris leading, taking a taking an offensive uh, step forward. Um, I'm, to be, I'm, I'm still not worried. Home court is in their hands. If Kyrie can keep getting any shot he wants, I don't I don't see how this team can lose the series. And I, I, I mean, they have they have more, in my opinion, and of course I'm, I've got a homer here. The Bucks have the best player in the league. Yes, I said that. The best player in the league. If we can stop him and make him go, make him shoot under 50%, play good defense on him, I don't see why not for the Boston Celtics. All right. I uh, appreciate the unbiased take there from JoJo. Uh, AK, what you got? I think game three will, will tell us everything we need to know about this series. I think the game one, I think that was just the Bucks not really being – Ready for what, you know, being the number one seed in the in a in a tough playoff series is going to be about. Because Boston shut down Giannis, it seemed like pretty easily for the most part. So, game two, he he got his shit back together. I think he he understood how he was going to be played. The Bucks as a team understood how they were going to be played. So I think game three will tell us it is was game won the case or is game two the case for the rest of the series I'm, I'm intrigued by how game three will be I think look, look, Kyrie's Kyrie I think he will get his shots I think 
I think Gordon Hayward's kind of the X factor. Because he's really like, you almost kind of forgot he was on the Celtics. Like he, he's a really, really good player if, if he plays, plays the way, you know, Boston paid him to, to play. So I think he's the X factor. Um, I think it'll go seven though, and I, I, I really can't make a decision until I see, like how how the Bucks come out in Game Three because I know what Boston's going to do. I Has Al Horford ever made a playoff three pointer? No. Do we, I, he shoots ninety percent of the playoffs, doesn't he? He has to be. It it's unbelievable. So like we know that's what I mean. Like we know what Boston's going to do. I just I, I don't know what Milwaukee's all about. All right. Fair. Uh, let's move on to the NHL. Uh, so, first round recap. Last time we touched on the Lightning uh, and Penguins going down early, but uh, we did not have an episode since the Caps lost in Game 7 on home ice in typical Washington fashion. Pretty flaccid defense of their Stanley Cup from last season. JoJo, I will give you credit. The Bruins win Game 7 on home ice, show the Caps how it's done. Um, let's just stay there with Bruins Blue Jackets uh, since we brought it up. Give me a readout of the first round series, JoJo, the culmination of that round, as well as your thoughts on uh, the second series against the Blue Jackets, which the Blue Jackets lead two games to one. Game four coming up from Columbus. What do you got, Joe? Uh, the first series comes down to the Maple Leafs have six forwards and two defensemen. The Boston Bruins have nine forwards and four defensemen. I mean, that's being generous if you don't if you don't consider Boston's fourth line because our fourth line has actually been bad. our fourth line has been one of the top two lines with our third line actually all playoffs. Um, but the depth outplayed Toronto, and that's exactly what took care of them. As for Columbus, I mean, we saw this in the Tampa series. They just work hard. Seth Jones is an absolute monster, but Sergei Bobrovsky, Bob is standing on his head. That dude is making saves out of his asshole. Um, Their forward shot. I, I, I didn't know who Josh Anderson was before the playoffs, and that dude looks like he has a torch up, his, a torch on his skates, and is just beating everybody down the wings. And Panarin, the, the bread man, he's... I don't know. If, if they can somehow pull the series off, I don't know how you're the bread man you leave Columbus because you just made a name for yourself. Um, yeah, the, the Blue Jackets are playing well. I still think Boston um, Boston will pull it out. It helps, that, uh, it helps that we have some experience on our side. So uh, look for Tuca to have a good game tomorrow night. Okay, anything to add? That's a good recap, but this is... I feel like these two teams in particular are doing the thing that like you have to do in the playoffs, and that's... I mean, have, have your front, have your stars score a little bit, but it's it's really who... Because, like, the, the one and two lines for each team are typically going to, like, neutral each other. It's whose third and fourth line can score, and then you need a hot goalie. And I feel like both these teams kind of have that thing going for them right now. And this is this is just a good playoff series. That's what it's what it's all about. 
Uh, all right, let's move on. I want to touch on the Av Sharks just very quickly here. Um, probably the least exciting of the second round matchups, but the way the Sharks got out of round one against uh, Vegas, never seen anything like that before in my life. The five minute major uh, awarded to the Sharks against uh, Vegas when Vegas was up two two nothing in the third period or three. No- Three nothing. I think it was three. Yeah, three nothing in the first period and in the third period with seven minutes left. Uh, five minute major. The Sharks go on to score four times, and then Vegas gets back on the board again. Uh, Sharks ultimately win in overtime, sudden death. Uh, have you guys ever seen anything like that in your life? I mean, the Sharks were pun intended here this time. Uh, dead in the water, dead to rights out there. Looked totally lifeless, and then Pavelski goes out with the injury. Five minute major awarded. Take full advantage. I have. I, that's probably the greatest comeback I've seen in terms of odds of coming back totally defied in the playoffs ever. I. It sucks. Yeah. It, it sucks that it had to end that way. Because like I'm sure you, the, the 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 officials are like, oh come on, the game's probably already over anyways. They're not going to score four goals. <laughs> yeah. It just it sucks it had to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything on this round two matchup though? No. Cool. All right. Blue uh, Blue Stars. Tyler Sagan. I mean, this series to me, Dallas. As long as they're in the playoffs, will always be intriguing. Just given the stories that were coming out around December, January, about how the GM was effectively publicly trashing the team, just calling calling them out in the papers and ESPN constantly just saying that they were way underperforming, that they were, you know, the, the, the management was like under fire for having put assembled this team because Tyler Sagan's so bad. Uh, that was effectively what the GM and owner were saying, and now the Stars are a couple of games away from potentially being in the Western Conference Finals. Who you got? I know St. Louis is probably not your favorite uh, sports town, AK, but who you got in this series currently airing on NBCSN? I have the not St. Louis team. Got it. Could have figured that. Joe? It's kind of the old... Uh, there's, a, there's a scene from The Office where when the, when the two branches merge and Michael Scott tries to like tries to get everyone to like work together and be a team. The old, the only way he's able to do that is by having everybody hate him. Yeah. Talk about how much they dislike him. Yep. And maybe that's what Dallas was doing, man. Just if if you can get everyone on the same page about one thing, if they all hate you, then maybe maybe that's the right path. Good point. Oh, I like that. I like that. Nice little management technique there. Uh Joe. I would love to see Dallas beat St. Louis. Nobody nobody likes St. Louis. Good. Love it. All right, last but not least. Matt, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars uh, just because Good. I also don't like St. Louis. Um, Good. Hard-hitting analysis. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Isles and the Canes. Uh not the best for the town in D.C. here. Pretty poor defense of the Stanley Cup, but uh, the Canes have moved on to the second round. They are taking care of Barry Trotz and the Islanders. Uh, the Canes, are they the hottest team in hockey right now, true or false? Uh, JoJo, what you got? That would be true. Uh, I think they're still just riding that game's have momentum. Um, 
they took a pretty hot Isles team that was clicking offensively and essentially just told them to get the fuck out of here. Um, they won. They won two in Brooklyn and now won tonight's third down in Raleigh. The biggest mistake the Islanders ever made was not playing round two on Long Island. The moment they decided to go back to Brooklyn, it was series over. Absolutely <clears throat> done. Agree with that. Soft move. Okay. Uh, I feel like it's an overused thing, but I feel like Carolina is kind of like a team of destiny at this point. Ooh. So you're calling it like you. I don't know. I don't know like enough about like them or like why they're playing as well as they are. Are they a team of destiny? Or every, everything, you, everything you read is like no, nobody even even like right until they won for like no one thought they'd be any good. It just wasn't meant to be, and here we are. So I, I just I get that vibe from them. Bunch of jerks down there. Uh, all right. Anything else in the world of the NHL? Okay. Hearing no. none. Seeing none. Uh, uh, before we move on to top worst, most best, it is a special time of the year. Uh, unfortunately, we did not coordinate well enough in advance to book Mr. Kindlin. Very busy guy. He he yeah. had to turn us down for tonight. But uh, AK, we're gonna we're gonna rely on you to give us the good picks. Uh, Kentucky Derby this weekend. Who you got? Who should we be looking out for? Uh, is it true that uh, Road Racer or Road Runner or whatever, uh, despite the fact that he's a 6-1 favorite, stands no chance of winning because no horse has won from the 17th pole position? Should we write yeah. him off? What are your thoughts, AK? Take it away. Also, I mean, the, also the, give the, us the bomb. update on Omaha Beach. Yeah, the bomb that got dropped was that Omaha Beach is scratched. So... The intriguing thing about Omaha Beach before the news broke, he was going to be jockeyed by Mike Smith, who is typically Bob Baffert's best horse jockey, especially the Triple Crown races. He left Baffert, who has won two Triple Crowns now, to go on this horse, Omaha Beach. So now Mike Smith is just, he's not racing in the Kentucky Derby, which seems ridiculous. So that was that weird dynamic to start. But now all eyes are on uh, Bob Baffert's horses. Um, game winner and then Roadster's the one seventeen post that has never produced a, a winner. Um, I, it, it's kind of a bummer because, I, I mean, typically the, the favorites have been winning the last, you know, five, six years for the most part. Um, but so now it's, it's, it's a Baffert horse is the favorite, and it's not – it's not the most exciting thing, so I'm going to look my pick. I'm going to look outside. I'm not sure how to say its name, but it's Tacitus, T-A-C-I-T-U-S. Yeah. I think this is a horse. I think that he's, he's – this thing's wide open. I think that was the first thing that my dad told me last week. Race is wide open. Out of all the kind of semi-closers in this race, I think he's the best one. And I think I don't know if there's there's going to be a pace that's intense enough for him not to get there. So he's my pick. Wait, so I I had uh, I, wow I had not realized that Omaha Beach was out. So that means that Roadster yeah. is not in the seventeenth position. He slides up to sixteen, which means he's back. Well, so that's yeah. So that's that's the weird part here. 
series, they, the whole thing gets kind of reshuffled. It's bizarre. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to have the favorite stressed this late in the game. Yeah, that is bizarre. Uh, it entrapped epiglottis, which is a uh, upper upper airway abnormality uh, that sometimes occurs in horses. So, uh, also, yikes! Let's throw this out there. It's reported that he also sold his uh, stud rights for $22 million yesterday. Woo! Sheesh. Is there uh, something fishy in the water? Could be, could be. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to go Roadster now that he's out of that dreaded 17 hole. Uh, JoJo, who you got? You know, I'm just going with uh, AK's pick, to be honest, however you pronounce that dude's name. Tacitus. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone say it yet. Tacitus? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. It seemed like a cool name when I read about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Big, uh, it's similar to, like, picking mascots in March Madness. If I see, a, like, a gray horse, I typically pick the gray horse. Tacitus is a beautiful gray horse. Oh, gray horse. See, I'm, I'm the opposite. Cutting humor. Gray horses are terrible. Throwing, throwing something oh, on the cutting humor. <laughs> uh, all right. Cutting, I, like this. I like the cutting humor horse. All right. All right. Uh, let's, what, what post is he? Well, let's go ahead and move on to top, most, worst, best, whatever. Top, worst, most, best, whatever. Uh, JoJo, your segment, your rules, kick it off. Cool, right. Uh, my top worst is Little League Rules. Um, this is not coming from personal experience, so I don't want anybody out there listening to think that this happened to me and Mac. Um, but the forfeit rule when you don't have enough players is the most absolutely stupid rule. When you have a kid on the way who's just late because of soccer players, you're trying to preach multi-sport athletes now. You're trying to keep players interested in the game. The only way to keep players interested in the game is having them play the game and not having it about the coach who's a stickler for the fucking rules. Let the kids play, even if you have eight on the goddamn field. Yeah, totally doesn't sound like a real-life experience at all there. I, th- I feel like we can all relate to that one. Uh, very good, JoJo. Gonna, thank, thank I'll you. throw this out here. In, in Chicago softball, we are allowed to play with eight people if someone's on the way as your ninth, just just a heads up. Literally every league ever allows you to play with eight and just count <laughs> the ninth as an automatic out. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would imagine that would be quite frustrating if that happened to me. Uh, all right, I'm going to move on to uh, the Nazem Kadri of the uh, Boston Bruins, and that is Nose Face Killer himself, Brad Marchand uh, with a nice little cross-check to the back of the head of a uh, blue jacket who is down on his knees. JoJo, I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this one, but uh, I don't know. I feel like there should be, you know, Tom Wilson gets hit with a repeat offender status. I feel like Marchand is probably qualified for that at this point. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I'm in the team, in the camp with uh, for suspension, I'd be down to just let him go out there with his hands tied behind his back and have a Blue Jacket take a nice run at him at center ice to start. I feel like that would be better than a ceremonial puck dropping, so maybe we can get that set up. But, uh, yeah, Brad Marchand, huge douchebag. Uh, JoJo, or uh, AK. Wait, fix that. 
What'd you say? Oh, no, no, here's the way you fix that. Just tell the Blue Jacket to not be on his knees. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 good. I'm watching what, the game. But what if you? What if there was just? A, what if there was a short player, like a really short guy? <laughs> I don't know. Marshawn's pretty short. He got a little bit of a Napoleon complex himself. That's true. Uh, AK, what you got? So I was gonna go with the Game of Thrones letdown. I did not think the Battle of Winterfell was worth my time or build up or mental mental patience, I would say, throughout the week. Hot take. I could also go with the there was a there was a soccer game and soccer's always hilarious, but <laughs> one team like scored a goal and the other team didn't think that there should have been a goal, so then the other team let the other team score. And the game wound up in a draw. Hilarious. Classic. Classic soccer. Wait, what? But then but then the outcome of that game was that one of the teams would have been promoted to the English Premier League. With all that shit on the line, you just, like, they just, like, the ball was in play. The other team just, like, stopped playing. Like, yep, take your goal. We're even. Like, how in the, how in the bit. world... Is that like it? Did that resolve an outcome? Because a promotion to the Premier League is worth millions of pounds. If we're talking their money. Just a, a, a horseshit move. But my actual um, top worst is I just saw this as we were doing our podcast here. Tim Anderson has one bat flip against a shitty team the second week of April. Compared himself to Jackie Robinson today. He said, I am like today's Jackie Robinson. Oh, no. I'm, I'm sure what Tim Anderson's trying to do is good. No. Good for the sport. Jackie oh, Robinson Timmy. changed America's pastime forever. Timmy. Tim Anderson's all like trying to play the game fun, be fun about it. Bro, Bryce Harper's been trying to do that for several years now to no avail, but he's been doing it. He, that might be the Tim Anderson, in a quote, be. said, I am like... I am like today's Jackie Robinson. Timmy. I'm so sick of his bullshit already. Like, you're on the White Sox, man. Like, uh, like, just keep your mouth shut. I'm I'm so over Tim Anderson at this point. Timmy, that is a rough, rough take. Uh, All right, on to most best. Uh, I'll go first. I'm going to go, you know, we give Draymond Green a lot of shit on this podcast, deservedly so. He's kind of an asshole, and uh, I agree with Steve Kerr. Every single time he says, like, what the fuck was that, and you can read his lips about something Draymond Green does, Draymond's an idiot. That being said, I really appreciated what he said last night uh, after the game in terms of both teams going out there and – just playing basketball, and he said a couple of days ago uh, he wasn't going to respond to a question that he was asked about the whole thing because his point was, like, just stop KD. Stop me and KD. Stop Steph. Uh, So good on Draymond Green for not really – for kind of saying what we all wanted to say here, which is, like, look, let's play basketball. We made this not about basketball. This is ridiculous. I thought he did it in a pretty diplomatic way. Got to give credit where credit's due. Good on Draymond. Hopefully the rest of the series is about the basketball on the court because last night's game was a pretty good one. It was a pretty entertaining game despite the early injuries to Steph and James. Uh, I think this series has a lot of potential just like last year's to go to seven games. Would love to see that happen. Make it about the basketball. Good for Draymond. Uh, All right, AK, on to you. I – I wrote this one down too early, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. The Iowa Cubs 
the AAA affiliate of your your your, your beloved Cubs. Um, they scored 15 runs in the first inning against the Nashville Sounds. They batted around twice, two grand slams in the inning. Every, every each of the nine starters reached base at least once, um, and they walked 15 times total in the game. I think the first inning. Oh my goodness! Just a. I guess that could be top worst too for the Nashville Sounds, but yeah. What a what a what a W for the Iowa Cubs. That you hate to see see that Nashville Sounds. That is the affiliate of the Texas Rangers, I believe. Uh, Oh, good call. That is not good. Um, Wow. All right, I did not know that, but always can always count on you, AK, for the hot minor league takes. Appreciate that, Uh, Joe. Close us out here. What do we need to know about the best in sports? Uh, so, my honorary most best or top best or most best is Cardi B. Uh, shout out you! You shout out her Twitter game. Uh, look it up. You'll understand in a second. But really, it's the it's this uh, Jeopardy guy who's on a twenty. A 20 episode win streak. He's won over, James has won over $1.5 million. Uh, his background, he wanted to be a, he wanted to be in the Major League Baseball front office. He's a sports gambler by day. Uh, he's already being called the GOAT of Jeopardy as he approaches uh, the record of $2.3 million. Uh, ties the longest streak today of 20, 20 straight episodes. So uh, I guess it pays to have a big brain. All right, well, that guy—that guy's a legend. He really, unless it's all fake. But I'm gonna choose to believe that it's not. Yeah. All right. Anything else in the world of sports? Sebastian Janikowski retired. Saw that. So did Marshawn Lynch. You know who the last person from the 2000 draft is? Who? The Kwame. Who? Kwame. Kwame. Oh, 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 oh! The last active player. Oh, yeah. Uh. Saw Marshawn Lynch retired, but maybe considering unretiring if the Raiders still. Uh, all right, well, uh, that's probably good. Uh, see you guys next week. Two weeks? Two weeks from now? Is that what we're doing? Two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. All right, see you in two weeks. What up, world? It's your boy, just one of the guys down here. Well, I could be more specific. Uh, I'm a human. Just wanted to, you know, for the sake of all of us earthlings out there, just wanted to say... heard that song before but that was that was kind of weird it's a weird song <laughs> all time classic from Lil Dicky is it uh the official in this Nuggets Portland game just made the worst call I think I've ever seen 
bet you the Nuggets don't do a full analysis and write a report on it.